a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the KSL Greenhouse. Expert tips for flowers, trees, gardens, and soil. Our hosts are Maria Chaleos and Ton Bettis on KSL News Radio. Good morning. Thanks for joining us for the KSL Greenhouse. Number to call with your questions, 801-575-8255. You can text us your questions, 57500. Our 9 o'clock feature is how to construct raised beds and kind of uh, the better options or the options for construction materials. So what are your thoughts? What what are the best, when you're building a bed, what's the best material to be using? Turn on my right. Mm, There There we go. go. Uh, so it really depends on your purposes, the m- amount of money you want to put into them, and then the amount of space you have. And so there isn't a good solid answer. I think that for somebody, say, that hates pesticides, hates pressure-treated wood, then standard construction lumber, just like the pine fir that they build homes mm-hmm. with – or something like cedar or redwood, if they have extra money, is going to be the best for them because it's just in its natural state. And so if you have something like that, the wood is strong. And if it's untreated, you can expect five or six years of life before the beds really start to deteriorate and need repair or replacement. But it's something that you don't need to worry about any chemicals and that you can just grow your food and be happy. And so if people are a little less concerned about that, uh, you can use pressure-treated wood, but they're, depending on the source, is in controversy because of the pressure-treated wood having different compounds that basically made the wood poisonous to microorganisms, and that some of that may leach into the soil. And so you're not supposed to grow root crops adjacent to the sides of those pressure-treated wood-raised beds, but otherwise tomatoes and above-ground crops are generally okay Hmm. if you're wanting to use pressure-treated because pressure-treated will last up to 10 to 12 years you know, so it doubles the life, especially if you will treat the wood with like linseed oil or other preservatives on the outside, it will help. 
So other alternatives would would be a little more expensive, but the next most expensive would be plastic like you're using for the plastic or vinyl fences. Now, the vinyl can be easy because you can buy kits or you can make them yourself, but it's just using the same construction techniques you would for a fence, but you're just doing it at a 90-degree angle because it's on its side. And so you can buy kits from places like Home Depot or Lowe's or Amazon or there's companies locally that will come in and build them custom. One thing I've noticed with these is that they have a tendency to bow a little bit because of the flexibility of the plastic. And so they still are fine. It's just if you like a straight line over a year or so, they get a little bit of an oval in their shape because they just flex a little bit. Perfectionists may not like that. Yes, and so you might want to brace the middles of them to kind of keep them a little more straight. So those are an option. And then We're seeing so many cool metal ones. That was my next thought. Um, But don't they just get super hot? They can. Uh, you know, they're, they, because soil in those raised beds is dense enough, the outside two or three inches may heat up quite a bit and not allow root growth. But it's not really too problematic because you're watering frequently in these raised beds and the water, as it evaporates, offsets the heat from the metal. But don't they rust? It depends on what you're using. If you're using galvanized metal, it may get some surface rust, but they're not going to rust out. And so the popular metal raised beds I've been seeing people do are galvanized watering troughs that you can pick up Mm -hmm. from places like IFA, Steve Regan, Cal Ranch, or they're using uh, metal roofing. And they get scrap metal roofing and then we'll use um, like pressure treated or redwood four by fours or six by sixes to brace with. Or they are using other sorts of metal sheeting. And so the worst kind of metal you could use is just straight iron or steel that isn't galvanized or somehow rust resistant. But otherwise, using aluminum, tin, it's fine because they don't really rust. Okay. How about used redwood, like uh, from a deck, a former deck? Those decks have to be replaced every 15 to 20 years, and there's still a lot of good lumber. And so I would say recycle it, upcycle it, whatever term you want to use, because there's oftentimes enough redwood left over to actually build, you know, two or three raised beds that are six inches to a foot off the ground, you know, eight feet long, four feet wide, or if you want to garden at waste level, you can build a bigger one. I've done this in the past and the redwood, about 70% of it from the deck was still in great shape. Yeah. I mean, most of us have just put stain on that. We haven't painted it or anything. And yeah. most of the stain is like worn off by the time it's ready to it be is. replaced. It is. And so it does have that gray kind of weathering to it. But when you cut it, it's still just fine. Great wood inside. It is. All right. So anything else? Any other thoughts? on we, We've done a whole video on container gardening, by the way. And you can check that out on our, the KSL Greenhouse YouTube channel. You can also find it on our KSL uh, Greenhouse Facebook page under videos if you want to check it out. So many great advantages to container gardening. There are. They, it can be a little expensive up front, but it's really good 
if you have limited space. And I know that, you know, as I drive through Southern Utah County, probably 80% of the new homes being built are either condos or townhomes. And you have a little front yard and maybe a little backyard. And so your driveway or your patio may be the only space you have to garden. And so we have the video from Matt Jench with his gardening and recycled nursery containers. We have stuff from Sheridan Hansen up at the Botanical Center showing some options. But container gardening can be quite productive. It's just a little bit different type of gardening. Right. Well, and it's off the ground, too, so you don't have to uh, kneel down. Yes. And so before we go to break, we should mention that when you're container gardening or raised bed gardening, you don't use your native soil alone because it becomes too dense and water won't drain through. And so if you use native soil and it's more recommended for raised beds, you want about by volume one part compost to one part soil. And that will loosen the soil a lot. And if you can afford it and find it, either vermiculite or perlite, a couple of bags of those mixed in so that you can have drainage in there. But in containers, you always use potting soil or another outdoor artificial mix. Okay. And then the best option for watering those containers? Drip, if it's big enough, because it's just easy. I would use um, pressure compensating drip if you have any... If you're not using pressure compensating drip irrigation where you get low spots, those get the water. And if it's raised up even an inch like the next dripper, you don't get a lot of water to that emitter. And so use pressure compensating drip and in smaller containers, you know, a watering bucket or a hose works just fine. And you can find out an article on the KSL Greenhouse Facebook page that gives you some more options as well. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Alexia from Salt Lake, you are up next. You can call us right now, folks, 801-575-8255, text us 57500. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Good morning. Thank you for joining us for the KSL Greenhouse. Maria Anton with you this morning, taking your calls, 801-575-8255. You can text us at 57500. Anton, our listener wants to know, they want to put a crab apple near a window. Uh, They've looked at different ones, and they're down to choices, uh, prairie fire or prairie rose, and they want to know which one would be better. Well, I it's one of those 
potato potato things mm-hmm. and what I would more look at if they're happy with the blossom color and things is how big they're going to get. And so on the patio, prairie fire is going to get 20 to 25 feet. I'm not sure what the prairie rose. I'm not sure of its eventual size, but if one stays smaller than the other, you know, they're going to need to look at, you know, the prairie fire may provide a little more shade or a little less. And so if they're down to two and it's just more me making the decision, I would put it back on them saying, look at the size, mature sizes and pick the one that you're going to be happy with. Because otherwise they're pretty much the same. Well, there's so many crabapple cultivars. I'll look up a, the prairie rose is one that I have heard of, but never really, um, I'm amazed at how many different ones they, there are and how beautiful they are. Yeah, and so it's one that looks fairly similar. And, you know, I one thing I will say about prairie fire is I've noticed that in colder mountain valleys, it's sometimes not hardy. When Cache County several years ago got down to minus 20, the prairie fires really were damaged. Hmm. And so they're more of a zone five, six, even though sometimes it'll say zone four, they're kind of a five, six tree. So if it's Wasatch Front, it's not going to matter. But if you're in Heber, Cache Valley, Huntsville areas, then I wouldn't plant prairie fire because if you do get cold, it'll take damage. The prairie rose gets 18 by 20. And so the size isn't going to really matter. And so... I just think that you pick one and go with it. So on the prairie fire, it can have a red tinted leaf in the spring that then turns to kind of a dark green. But Mm -hmm. of the two, I I think it's just going to be Preference. preference. And so in this situation, I let the bride win. Okay. Uh, Alexia is on the line in Salt Lake City. Good morning, Alexia. What was your question? Oh, it's about pinyon trees, the ones that are new in New Mexico. There's a beetle apparently that sucks out the sap. Do you know how to treat one of those pinyon trees to stop that from happening? Well, that's one thing I would have to oh. refer you over to the Forest Service on if they're doing anything. I'm not even sure they are. And okay. so if it's a beetle sucking sap then a systemic would go after them and kill them. But if it's an engraver mm-hmm. beetle, which a lot of our trees are now getting, you know, especially the spruce and fir, there's, there is all sorts, there are all sorts of insect pests in our forest. And mm-hmm. so if they're truly just sucking sap out of the tree, then a systemic would do it if it's an ornamental tree that you're trying to save. But if it's engraver beetles, then sometime in late winter, early spring, you would need to go out on the first 50-degree day and spray the tree with something like 7 permethrin, bifenthrin, and spray the bark and limbs very thoroughly to keep those beetles from penetrating into the tree. Okay. Okay. Thank so, yeah, you. unfortunately, in something like, you know, there's something sucking sap, that's a little bit too nondescript for me to give you an exact. Well, but I have some land I inherited, and um, there's quite a few of them on this property. And someone told me that from that lives in that area, and I don't know anything about this. I inherited this land, and I never asked 
my parents about any of this stuff, but apparently it's like the outside starts having this strange stuff on it, like a fungus. Okay, it may be something sucking the insects out. What I would recommend doing is contacting the local Forest Service field office or BLM field office, and they will probably have entomologists that can email or give you more information on exactly what it is. Then we could find a more detailed treatment. Okay. Well, thank you. All right. Thanks for your call this morning. Uh, next listener, Tan, says oh, they want to know, will geese along an irrigation canal attack their squash plants? Uh, maybe. As the geese are like other, you know, birds that will eventually, you know, they will clean up insect pests, but they're opportunistic enough that if there's a young little two-inch squash there, that might be lunch. Mm. And so I've never witnessed it personally, but knowing geese and other things i wouldn't put it past them so would there be anything they could do to prevent that eat the geese tom that's not they would probably have to have structures (laughs) over the squash if it is a problem or maybe a dog (laughs) or something that would scare them off yeah geese can be mean they can goose once yeah i remember watching once uh, there was some neighbors that had geese and they had a couple acres and nobody ever wanted to go in the yard, you know, if a ball flew into the yard or something, because especially the male geese would chase you down. They chase you and nip you. Yes. Yeah. And I watched one time that somebody went in the yard after a ball and the geese, the goose came up and it didn't hurt the goose, fortunately, but the kid turned around and just whopped the goose. Oh, wow. In the like on the beak, just went. Bam! Almost just swatted it. That goose took off like it had been swatted in the fanny. And I don't know that I would recommend doing that, but it was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. They have really they're territorial nasty beaks. <laughs> Let's just well, put it I have that a way. brother-in-law that has geese, and I've understood that if they don't do that to you, they view you as their mate. Oh. And so my brother-in-law has this goose that I think thinks is it's his her husband or his I don't know how it works, <laughs> but he's the only one that can go back there sometimes that it won't attack. All righty, we're going to take a break. Come back with your calls and questions. Number to call eight zero one five seven five eight two five five. You can text us five seven five zero zero. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.